You may be seated. Thank you for joining us for our Good Friday service at Rolling Hills. Good Friday is a day that we get together to recognize, to reflect on, to meditate on the suffering, the crucifixion, and the death of Christ, the price he paid for the remission of our sins. And I've got to tell you guys all day today, it's been a heavy day for me. Just thinking about the weight of that. And it's been my prayer that God would do the same thing for each and every person in this place within the sound of my voice tonight, that we would get it, that we would see the impact and the heaviness, what it took. Because this is a story, Good Friday is a story of betrayal, of one of Christ's own. It's a story of mockery, of how the Jews and the Roman soldiers just mocked his kingship. It's a story, ultimately, of his brutal death, initiated by the ones that he came to help us. So tonight, we've come together to reflect on all of these events that surround Good Friday, because it, it is it is a stellar event, and when God turns the tables on death itself and provides for us a way out of the clutches of the evil one. You received a bag. Did everyone receive a bag as they came in tonight? It has tactile elements that we're going to use in our service tonight. And this is going to be a different service than maybe you've experienced before, so I want to walk you through just a little bit. We're going to have music. We're going to sing some songs together. There'll be songs that you may want to listen to and just reflect on. This is a night, guys, when we just worship how we want to. If you want to sit down, if you want to bow down, if you want to come to the front and bow down, this is a night to worship our Savior in the context of what he did for us. So as you, as you get this bag, pull out your journal. We had journals printed out that as we go through the night, we're going to hear readings, and then we're going to have a time for personal reflection, and we're going to be able to write down the thoughts that God is putting in our mind and in our hearts as we contemplate what he's done for us. We'll walk through all of those pieces tonight, but I want to start with us praying together and inviting the Holy Spirit to direct our full attention on what has been done for us. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. God, I thank you for the people that are here, the people that are listening online right now. God, I thank you that you've drawn us together for the sake of remembering and reflecting upon what you've done for us. And I pray, God, by your Holy Spirit, that you inspire our hearts to dig deep within ourselves and reflect on how that impacts us and our contribution to what caused the whole thing. Lord, we commit this time to you. Holy Spirit, speak to us, and we do so in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We all say together, Amen.
must die. God's wrath was meant for me. A hope was destiny. What shame and suffering Christ bears for me. My sin hears the mocking voice that screams to crucify my Lord and sears the Savior Christ.
Before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave the world to go to the Father. Having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. It was supper time. The devil by now had Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, firmly in his grip, all set for the betrayal. Betrayal, denial, arrest that led to trial, conviction to crucifixion. 30 pieces worth of regret and remorse, holding in my hand the sovereignty of God's plan, using my sin to supply him who had none with the pain of being completely undone. Where did the 30 pieces come from? Currency, precious metal, simple for some, half a year's wages for the betrayal he won. The world always makes promises that she can never keep. Signed, sealed, delivered, repeat. Congratulations, you are now the proud owner of 30 pieces of guilt. Hail to the winner. Honor versus control, waging war in the soul of a sinner. How much is your betrayal worth? Selfish desire, bird on a tight wire, trying on its own to be free. It wasn't a first century sin, but mine. It wasn't a first century hand, but mine. It wasn't a first century desire, but mine. It wasn't a first century betrayal, but mine. Not for first century dollars, but for mine. It was an abomination of Christ's holy words. Not your will, Father, son, but mine. Young, old, rich, poor, sick, well. Sin always starts out with the very same smell. Mine. What is 30 pieces? How much does it weigh? What does it say to others about me today? What is it that for which I would betray the very Son of God? Come my soul to save. 
how much is my silver worth? For what betrayal of mine did sweet Jesus come to earth? That's when Satan entered Judas, the one called Iscariot. He was one of the twelve. Leaving the others, he conferred with the other high priest and the temple guards about how he might betray Jesus to them. They couldn't believe their good luck and agreed to pay him well. He gave them his word and started looking for a way to betray Jesus. In Judas' notorious betrayal, or even Peter's notorious, equally as notorious, denial of Christ in Luke 22, both had walked with Jesus. Both had seen him do great things and miracles and had even done great things in his name. And yet, both betrayed, denied. The truth is, is that all of us, each one of us, in our own right, have betrayed Jesus, have been close to him, have known his blessing in our life, and yet have gone our own way. We want to take a moment of reflection in your journal. If you'll pull out your journal and just think, search your own heart, think of your personal betrayal. Has there been a time in your life when you've said, you know, my will, not your will, God. Has there been a time when you've known what to do, but you did something different? I have. I've suffered that betrayal. I think we all have. Let's reflect on that. Let's write on that. We'll give you a few moments to do that. As you finish, I would like for you to look in the bag that you were handed when you came in. Inside, you'll find your pieces of silver. And I would like for you to pull those pieces of silver out and make your way to the station nearest you. And let's surrender our betrayal once and for all at the foot of the cross to the Lord Jesus by depositing those silver pieces in the bucket at the station.
see the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son And make a wretch His treasure And how great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Matthew 27, 27 through 29 reads as follows. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. 
They mocked him. Mockery. Not a word we use often today. But how about this word? Sarcasm. Yeah, I might know a thing or two about sarcasm. (laughs) Might be my love language. (laughs) Not really, but seriously, it is. There I go being sarcastic again. Yeah, I could come up with some good ones. He said he could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. (laughs) Hey, I see he's got the first post laid. (laughs) Oh, and it looks like he has a couple of nails on hand. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Am I bothering you? by making fun of the malicious betrayal, the brutal beating and cruel crucifixion of a man whose only crime was to love those who didn't know how? Does that offend you? Well, get over it. Get over it already. Goodness sakes, it's been 2,000 years. Why are we still talking about this? You heard the man. He said, it is finished. Perhaps I'm not sounding so funny anymore. What's the word to describe when I'm feeling? Um, Maybe back then they'd say mockery, but how about contempt? He saved others. Are you kidding me? He can't even save himself. He is the one. How can he be the one if he's dead? He claimed to be the king of the Jews. (laughs) Right. And the illegitimate son of God knows who. Oh, wait. Forgot. He said he was the son of God. Yeah. And I'm the son of Billy Graham. Come, come as you are, as the music softly plays. Come forward, hail, King of the Jews. Hail, the Son of God. What's your retort to my contempt? What's your response to my sarcasm? What's your comeback to my mockery? And Jesus answered, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think he might have been talking about me. How about you? Please be seated. Again, these readings are in your journal. As a last act of humiliation against Jesus, the Roman officers twisted a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. 
Then they bowed in mockery to the king of the Jews and led him away to be crucified. The Roman soldiers may have inaugurated Jesus in mockery, but he was indeed the king. He was truly the king. But in our own personal lives, how many times have we denied his kingship in our lives and basically mocked in our own, you might say, deluded, maybe not as offensive way as we just heard, way of denying and mocking his kingship. But how many times have we, by just living our lives with him not being fully king, have we mocked his claims of being the king of kings? In your bag, you'll see a thorn. And what I would like for you to do is take your thorn out, set it aside. Let's take some time again to just meditate and reflect on what this means to us. What is your heart saying right now? Write this down in your journal. And in a few moments, then we'll visit the stations again with our thorn. Don't forget to journal those thoughts in, in your book as a way to remember. When you finish, take the thorn, our piece of the crown, our piece of mockery, and let's surrender it to the cross by taking it over and, and pushing it in the styrofoam crown that you'll find at all of the stations around the auditorium. When you finish journaling, just make your way to the stations.
please stand and sing with us.
Most are made not of precious metals, but of common. The metal, the iron, is taken from deep within the earth. And it's exposed to incredibly intense heat. Over a long process, this metal is forged into the shape that the world has recognized for millennia. This spike, this nail, it represents a a firm, sharp, piercing permanence. It's been used to hold things together. The impact required, you know, the mallet or the hammer and the force that's required to drive this into place, it's great. And when a nail is driven into an object, the object of its hammerer's focus, it means this is going to stay here. When the Roman soldiers used these to put Jesus in the cross, when they drove them into his hands and his feet, they meant it to be an action that would permanently bring to an end the life of this man. So if you've seen a movie or even read a depiction of the death of Jesus, allow yourself to step out of the narrative for a moment. Look at the nail like this. Step into the scene, if you will. And now as you look at this nail, grab using your imagination the hammer the mallet that's about to drive this into place. Now pick up the hammer and strike. You did this to him. We did this to him. Now take another nail. Pretend you are at the foot of this Jesus, at the bottom of the cross looking up at him. Go ahead, hit the nail again in his feet. We did this. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Wait, I I wasn't there. Some some Roman Roman soldier did this. It was was part of a cruel political drama being played out 2,000 years ago. But continue to be in that drama. Continue to play the part of a sinner. Because we are. Continue to even pretend that, that you are the Roman soldier with the hammer in your hand and look up at him and listen to these words from Luke 23. They crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left because they do not know what they are doing. Jesus said this, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. You see, the beautiful part of the drama is this, that no matter how horrible our sin is against him. No matter how horrible we are, and we are responsible for his punishment, he forgives us. And it's no movie. It's real. And it's permanent. As the nails went into his flesh, so did our sin. As everything we have ever done and everything that we will ever do is represented by this roughly hewn piece of metal. We have to remember, as it was driven into him, he took it willingly. He endured the humiliation of carrying his cross, our cross. He took the mockery, 
He took the words we deserve. He was betrayed not just by Judas, but by us. And despite all of this, he forgives us. And his final utterance obliterates any permanence represented by this weak metal. And it gives us hope in the permanence of the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. As he says, it is finished. Please be seated. Scripture tells us that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So just by that right alone, this passage of Scripture indicates that we've all contributed. We've all contributed with our own nail. And so in the same fashion, we're going to take a few moments and just through the readings and the things we've been singing and just how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, journal your thoughts your own nail and this is how I want you to do it this time in your journal you're gonna see a black page you were probably wondering what that was for there are pins that are also black and so this is a real get real time this is an awesome time because this is the time when we get to write down and confess to God those things that keep circling back those things that keep gnawing at us, those things that we just can't seem to get victory over. Write these down. Nobody's going to see them because it's going to be black on black. This is between you and the Lord. Write these down. Take a few moments to reflect as you do so. When you finish, this is what I'd like for you to do. Tear it out of your book. Visit the station closest to you. You'll find a block of wood laying on the floor and a hammer on the floor. Take a nail that you'll find in your bag and nail it to the block of wood. Nail it on the cross. It is finished.
pray together. Father, thank you for Good Friday. God, the depth of your love on display, of your grace and of your mercy. When we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, God, when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, you made us alive in Christ. God, you made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. Oh God, we can never repay you. But we thank you. We thank you for the wonderful cross. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated. The wonderful cross. (laughs) 
our sins nailed to the cross. It's interesting that we say wonderful, don't we? Because a cross is the most horrific way ever invented by men to kill someone. The Romans were killing specialists. That's what they did, and they wanted to inflict as much pain as possible. And so when you were nailed to a cross, you literally suffocated. You would have to push up with your feet on the spike and your bare back against the wood and the splinters driving into you and just to grasp a breath. And as we think about all that Jesus endured for us, the price that was paid for us, the betrayal, the flogging, the beating. It tells us in the Gospel of John, John chapter 19, that after Jesus went to Pilate, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. The cross. A couple years ago, we had the opportunity to go to Israel, and we took this picture of Golgotha, literally where many people believe that Jesus was nailed to the cross. It's called the skull. And you think about evil and death permeating this place and the cross. Jesus in the middle of two common criminals abandoned by his friends. Those who promised they would never leave him. Those who said they would never deny him. Alone. Beaten carrying the weight of the sins of mankind. There are seven sayings that Jesus had from the cross, seven things which he spoke from this wonderful cross. The first thing he said comes from Luke 23, and he said, Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Amazing all that he went through and all that he endured, and the first thing that he says His father, forgive, forgive. The second thing he said comes from Luke 23 as well. He says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus in the middle and two criminals on each side. And they had a choice to make, right? And they both started out, if you read the gospels, mocking Jesus. Why can't you save yourself? But one criminal looked at Jesus differently and saw and believed. You are the son of God. You are the one that we've been waiting for. You are. And Jesus said, today, today salvation has come. The third thing he said is, dear woman, here is your son and to the disciple, here is your mother. At at the foot of the cross to Jesus' mother Mary, What mother wouldn't want to be with her son, even in the darkest hour? And John, the disciple that Jesus loved, and Jesus on the cross in the midst of the pain, sees his mother, and knowing that women back in this day, they had little hope 
If they didn't have a husband or a father or a son and looking out for his own mother says, John, take care of her. Mother, here's your son. Son, here's your mother. The fourth thing he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Holy God, and now Jesus, with the full sin of man. A holy God cannot be around sin. There is a separation that happened in Jesus with God from eternity. And then he said in John 19, I am thirsty. Jesus, fully God, the divinity, but also fully man, the humanity. And what he endured in the physical, the emotional, the spiritual for us. And then those words in John 19, it is finished. It is finished. Jesus, who was the only person ever born to die. Jesus there for 33 sinless years. Jesus for three years doing ministry and living it out. Came to achieve the purpose that God had for him. Completed the mission that God had. Takes on the sins of the world and dies on the cross and says, it is finished. And the final saying from the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. All for you and for your glory, God. These seven sayings have been boiled down to seven words and I'd love for us to think about these words. The first word, forgiveness. After we have been forgiven so much, we are called to forgive. Is there anybody in your life or in my life that I need to forgive. Is there any bitterness or resentment that I carry around instead of laying at the foot of the cross? Is there anybody? That has control over you because you won't forgive. Forgiveness. Second is salvation. Salvation. Maybe tonight is a a night of salvation, realizing the price that was paid when when you and I had no hope, when we had no help, and God came to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Or maybe tonight's a night to reflect on the salvation that you have, and that you and I, we could never say thank you enough. Relationship, mother, here's your son. Son, behold your mother. How are your relationships? How's your marriage? How is it with your children? How is it with your parents? Abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever been there? This comes from the Psalms as David prayed, God, where are you? Maybe tonight you realize I'm in a time and looking and needing God. And what you realize tonight is God is still here. Oh, he is here. He is present, the distress, a thirst. Maybe in your life there's a need. Maybe in your life it's a financial need. Maybe in your life it's for a job. Maybe in life it's for reconciliation. I don't know what it is, but I know this, that the same God who is with Jesus is the same God who is with you. And he meets our deepest, darkest needs. He meets our deepest longings. He meets the concerns that we don't even express. And then reunion, (laughs) reunion, it is finished. 
Don't you long to come to the end of your days? I know I do. And say, God, I lived it all for you. God, I was faithful to you. God, I completed the mission and the purpose that you had for me and for my life. Oh, God. And then the last word, triumph. Triumph. And what we see at the cross means this. As God looks at us, no longer does he see the sin, no longer does he see the brokenness. When you are in Christ, when God looks at you, he sees grace and forgiveness and righteousness. He sees that you are redeemed and that you are restored because of what you and I received through Christ. Praise be to God for the wonderful cross. And that's why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? That would take Jesus to this cross. It was you. It was you. It was me. And Jesus looked down through the corridors of time and he saw you. And he paid the price for us. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That you and I will be reminded every day of the grace and the mercy and the love that we've received through Christ. That every day we'll be reminded to live our lives for his name and for his glory because of what Jesus has done for us on the wonderful cross. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he brought his disciples together and he said, guys, I know you probably don't understand this, but listen, I'm going to be betrayed, handed over, crucified. But that's not the end of the story. And he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to pay the price for you. And after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant. You were under the old covenant, right? The law, when you sinned, when you messed up, you were separated from God. But there's a new covenant, a covenant of my blood poured out, a covenant of grace. When you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so tonight, I want to invite you to his table. This isn't my invitation, the invitation of Rolling Hills. This is the invitation of God himself to come to the table. To think about the price that was paid for you. I'm going to invite you to a time of prayer, a time of worship. Maybe you want to pray together if you're with your spouse or a family member or a friend. Maybe you want to use this as an altar. But whenever you're ready, as our worship team plays, you're invited to come to a table. The same table where you came and dropped in the money or the thorn or the nail. To take a piece of the bread, Christ's body broken for you, to dip into the cup his blood poured out for you and to receive the gift that only God can give. The gift of grace. The gift of mercy. The gift of love. Father, here we are, your disciples. And we thank you for the wonderful cross. 
And God, the emotion gets to us. We have to admit, Father, just to think about all that Christ endured for us. And so, Lord, we come to your table and we receive your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. And we come to respond to you right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we come. Amen. You're invited to his table.
good hallelujah what a Savior, what a Savior, and a wonderful cross, and this is not the end of the story, but I pray that the gravity of what Christ has done for us will weigh on us tonight and tomorrow, and we'll come back on Easter Sunday morning, ready to celebrate a risen Savior one who conquers death, one who makes a way to eternal life, Jesus. So tonight, as you leave, I just want to invite you to leave in silence. And maybe you want to stay and pray for a moment. But allow what God has done for you to marinate in your soul and your spirit. And realize that the price has been paid and on Sunday the victory is won. Father, thank you for Jesus. Send us out as people who are redeemed and restored, people madly in love with you, overwhelmed by your grace and your goodness. Thank you for the cross. In the name of Jesus we pray and we go. Amen.